0: back to Clever Hybrids Podcast. This is season three, episode three with Jess Harris from Platzi. Hey, Jess, how are you?
1: I'm very good, Gabby. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty good. This is going to be weird because I'm from Washington, D.C., but you're from the other Washington on the other <laughs> side of the country. So it's, it's like a parallel universe. It's really creepy. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's going to be nice because people will finally learn the difference. Whenever I say I'm from Washington, everyone assumes D.C., we can clear that up right now
0: (laughs) well let's start with that then where is washington state where is that exactly
1: washington state is in the pacific northwest of the united states so essentially top left corner (laughs) if you're looking at a map of the united states the most top left corner that isn't alaska is washington
0: (laughs) okay california is here and then you have oregon and washington right
1: exactly we border canada
0: All right. I don't really know much about the Pacific Northwest, so I'm learning too. Were you in a a city or in the country?
1: No, no, no. I I come from a pretty rural background and humble family, I'd say. But Washington in general isn't very big. I think the total population last I checked was around 5.5 million people for the entire state. When I was living in Bogota, we had more population in that one city than the entire population of Washington state. It's not very big. It's pretty spread out. We have some cities of course, like Seattle and Olympia, but they're not very big. They only have maybe a million people or something like that in those cities.
0: So small town boy in Washington, and then you decide to study your TESOL at university, how in the world mm-hmm. did you decide, okay, I'm going to go to Columbia now. How did that happen?
1: Well, it's a very long and convoluted story, but I I can tell it all here because we have the time. (laughs) In high school in the United States, well, in most high schools, you can choose between French or Spanish to learn. I decided to choose Spanish because it seemed a lot more practical. I didn't know any French-speaking people, but I knew a lot of Spanish-speaking people around. So I started studying Spanish. In my high school, I had to give a presentation with a partner. And the teacher randomly assigned Colombia to me. So I was like, okay, I don't know anything about this country. So I went to the library. I know I'm old. I went to the library. I got a book on Colombia, and I started reading at the time I was about 16 years old and I worked in Taco Bell. (laughs) There were two Colombian people that were working in Taco Bell at the time, but living in the States. When I started to ask them questions about Colombia, I found a very specific sport called tejo, which is a very traditional sport in Colombia. It's very, very cool. I asked the the guy about tejo, and he was like, you're the only American that knows about tejo. We became very, very, very good friends. It turns out that that guy has a company, a work and travel company. Sending students in Colombia to the States to work and gain experience in language and in culture and all of that. He was working in Taco Bell on the weekends just to make a little bit of money because all of his money from his business was going back home to Colombia. So I met him. We became very good friends. And I also met a lot of the people that he brought. So I I made like a small community of Colombian friends. I made a lot more Colombian friends. And I always said, I'm going to visit you someday. I'm going to visit you someday. I'm going to visit you someday. But then I moved to the north of the state, working in construction and going to university. Eventually one year I went and I visited Colombia for vacation for five or seven days. And it was so different. It was warm. It was very pretty. It was exotic. And I was like, yeah, I want to move here. I started studying English teaching. And that's how I ended up moving to Colombia. Wow, that's pretty cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of random series of events. Actually, sorry, I have another like little random tidbit there. I went to university to study physical therapy. Yeah, surprisingly <laughs> enough. And I was sitting down reading a book outside for one of my classes, and some Korean students were like, hey, what are you doing? And I was just, you know, being alone, really trying to focus on my studies because I would just come out of working construction and I really didn't want to mess this up. Um, So I was like in my book and I looked at it, I was like, reading, oh, okay. And they sat down next to me and started talking to me. I I had no intention of making friends, but they, they didn't give me a choice. Um, I became very good friends with them and started helping them with their English. As I was helping them with their English, they told me you should be a teacher. You should be an English teacher. That kind of reinforcement was the main reason I became an English teacher. It was like, oh, I'm I'm good at this. That's how I became an English teacher. And I wanted to teach in Colombia. And I knew people in Colombia, so that's how it came about. Hmm.
0: <laughs> so two little experiences that completely just changed your whole life. That's amazing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> <Completely>. <laughs> now a lot of people they have this dream, like you, you told the people, I'm gonna come visit you, I'm gonna come visit you. Most people at Don't end up doing it. But what is the process of actually physically moving yourself and your finances and your whole life to another country? What did you have to do to get to that point?
1: Oh, my gosh. Okay. Honestly, it's strange. I think I probably never would have gone if it weren't for that first vacation. I come from a very humble family. I never really went on vacations as a kid, unless it was to see my dad because my parents are divorced and that was like my vacation. I met someone that was like, yeah, why don't we go? We can go together, we can go together. And I was like, sure, yeah, all right, I guess we could do it. We finally went and that really changed my experience. Then I had that little bit of experience. Going back to your question, what did it take to rearrange my life? <laughs> Essentially, I sold everything. I sold my car, I sold pretty much everything that I wasn't taking with me, and any like sentimental stuff I stored at my family's house or with my brother or something like that. I got this big blue box. It's like probably a meter and a half long (laughs) Mm. and about half a meter tall. And I put my whole life in that box, essentially. That was it. I had that box. I paid the extra like fee for going overweight with that box in one suitcase. And that was it. I had gotten a job in Colombia to be an English teacher in a very small institute in San Gil, which is a very small touristy town. So I, I was going with work, and it was through my friend that I had met in Taco Bell. So he was going to pick me up from the airport, and then my boss, the guy I've been interviewing with, was going to pick me up and take me to San Gil. With my belongings, that was kind of the process: selling everything, saying goodbye to everyone, a lot of crying. <laughs> but I wanted to to branch out and and reach my goal. That was like my dream at that point.
0: Yeah, I did the same thing. Just two suitcases and had to leave the cat with the family. That was hard. So you're in San Hill, and how do you uh-huh. get from San Hill to Bogota? That's a big jump.
1: Oh, that's a long story. I I have a couple funny anecdotes from when I first arrived. All I had in the world was $1,000 and my box of stuff. (laughs) And I arrived to an airport in Bucaramanga. In Bucaramanga, I had like $500 translated into Colombian pesos in my wallet. I had this wallet from high school that a friend had made me that was made out of a bandana. It was a terrible wallet. I remember that a guy was helping me take my stuff and he was asking for a tip And I had to give him a tip. So I pulled out my wallet. I opened my wallet and all my money fell on the floor in the middle of an airport, in a foreign country, all of my money just fell on the floor. I could not have looked more gringo if I tried. So I quickly like picked up my money. I gave him like, I don't even remember how much of the time, whatever I thought was fair, which was probably way too much. I saw my friend for like an hour before my boss was like, okay, yeah, we gotta go. We gotta start working and doing things. I was like, okay. And he put me on a bus. And on that bus, we went to San Hill, and I stayed the night at one of his friends' house. And then I got set up in his house um, for a couple of weeks. The business was so small, it was in an apartment. Hmm. And I rented the apartment below it because he had no commute. That was a terrible (laughs) idea. That was the ground floor. So I had like a little patio, so he could just open the window and yell down at me (laughs) uh, (laughs) to get things. Or to go to work. (laughs) Yeah, it was awkward.
0: (laughs) Lesson learned on that one. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But how did I get to Bogota? I worked about nine months in San Gil. And I had a lot of really crazy experiences. Because I got to an advanced level of Spanish in university. But when I got to Colombia, I really realized my Spanish was not good enough. <laughs> there was a lot of little cultural nuances and language things that I had no idea about. And I made so many mistakes, just so many mistakes. There's a cultural thing in Colombia that you have to shut car doors very, very lightly. They're very, very particular about that. And in oh. the States, I don't know if you remember, we just slam the door oh. and we were there. Yeah. Um, I had several taxi drivers yelling at me because I would shut their door way too hard. There's a lot of little things. There's a word in Spanish that's mono. In Mexico, it means like cute person. In Colombia, it means blonde person. But the direct translation for mono is monkey. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So people started calling me mono. Like, hey, mono. I looked and I was like, are you being racist? (laughs) Are you calling me a monkey? (laughs) So it took me a while to figure out that was not the case. (laughs) I've got a lot of stories like that. Eventually I stopped working at that place in San Gil because it was very, very small. In Colombia, you can stay for six months on a tourist visa, and then you finally have to get a visa. So after six months of working there on a tourist visa, we finally went to Bogota to get a visa and they denied my visa. They denied my visa because the business was so small, it did not meet the legal requirements to have a foreign worker and handle all the benefits and things like that. All the payments were under the table. The business didn't make a lot of money. They denied my visa. I almost had to get married for like a a green card marriage in Colombia. It was a bit wild. (laughs) And eventually I got a visa, a student visa, just saying I was studying Spanish at that place. Because everything was under the table, I was being exploited. I was working a lot and not making a lot of money. So finally, I started looking for a job in a a bigger city, Bucaramanga, and I ended up finding a job there as an English teacher in Wall Street English, a multinational English teaching company. I think it's one of the biggest English teaching companies in the world. I ended up getting hired as a teacher for them, making the same amount of money that I was making before, but working half the time with full health benefits and everything. I was a teacher for about a year and a half there. And then they offered me to be a um, uh, service manager, is what they call it, an academic manager in Bogota.
0: Okay, I have no words. I have no words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot more
1: stories. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, I had a similar experience, not as bad as dropping the money on the floor but here in <laughs> Germany even though it's so advanced technology wise they still want cash everywhere so I was like an American here's my debit card in <laughs> some small cafes or things you go to they're like oh yeah I want to get a desk without cash we cannot start in here like wait you want paper <laughs> what <laughs>
1: This is Germany.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's so confusing. I have a Dutch last name, so people are trying to figure out, does she speak German or does she speak English? They're just kind of looking at you confused.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that happens. My my friend had a very different experience when he came here. Um, One of my best friends, I convinced him to move to Colombia. He's from the States, but his ancestry is Italian and German. Darker skinned, black hair, brown eyes, but didn't speak Spanish very well. So when he got here, people would speak Spanish to him as if he was another Latino, and he would try to speak. They they wouldn't register that he wasn't from here. They would probably just think he had a problem, like a speech issue or something like that. So it was very hard for him. He struggled, I think, a lot more than I did just because of that sort of stereotype.
0: Man, I can relate to that because with the Dutch less named people are trying to talk to you in German and it's not like... Talking to a foreigner in Germany, at the beginning, I, I didn't even know how to say, could you say that again nicely? So I was just like, <laughs> was? what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then for them, it probably doesn't register that you're a foreigner. They just think something's wrong with you. I fortunately haven't really had that issue because I'm so white. People just assume I don't speak Spanish. Even now that I speak Spanish, people assume that I don't speak Spanish, which is another funny thing. Going into restaurants... And I'm asking like, what's on the menu? And they show me and, and they say it very slowly and they'll point and they'll be like, <laughs> hamburger. <laughs> like, sí, sé que es una hamburguesa. Está bien. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're
0: like, oh! <laughs> oh my goodness, that must be a whole different experience. I have a richly ambiguous face. I always get looks not like, where are you from? But kind of like, what are you? Type of look. <laughs> but then you must get looks or people who assume that you don't know what they're saying and they're talking about you or looking at you has that ever happened to you y-
1: yes and no if I ever travel with my wife people always just look at my wife and talk to her <laughs> because they just assume that I do not understand anything that they're they're saying People don't generally talk about me from what I've noticed here. I've noticed it more in the States, actually, with Spanish speakers in the States that are more used to no one else being able to understand them. Then they'll openly talk about the people around them or the things going on. And I've picked up on a few conversations there, but not so much in Colombia.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, it's... We have the opposite thing because I look more German than my husband, even though he's been here longer since he's from East Africa. People will talk to me instead of talking to him. And, and then I just look at him like, what did they just say? Ay, 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 At what point of this journey did you meet Diana?
1: When did that happen? I met Diana in Bucaramanga a month before I got offered the promotion to move to Bogota. <laughs> we got to know each other. We started dating. And then i had to leave and i was like okay i guess we should break up and she was like no i don't want to break up and i was like do you really want to try a long distance relationship it's probably not going to work she was like yeah i want to try and i was like okay fine I- i'll try it too and we've been together for five years <laughs> <laughs> we weren't making a lot of money at that time so being able to travel was pretty difficult like traveling back and forth and colombia is very mountainous so technically the distance as the crow flies Between Bucaramanga and Bogota is not very far, but if you're traveling by car or by bus, it could take 8 to 12 hours. Mm. Um, Yeah, because it's so mountainous, you just have to pretty much go around mountains the entire time, and the roads aren't amazing, so it takes just a a very long time. If you fly, it takes like 35 minutes, (laughs) but if you take a bus, it takes 8 to 12 hours.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you gotta pay for that convenience, though, I get you. (laughs)
1: Exactly. And at that time, I had no money. Actually, when I first got to Bogota, we waited a month, and then we rented an apartment, and Diana moved in with me. She left her very cushy national marketing director job to come live with me. We were so poor. (laughs) So poor. We were starving pretty much the the entire time for like a year and a half. We were just so poor.
0: (laughs) Well, that's the stage that we are at right now. We're not like super poor, but by the time everything is paid, it's like, we have two dollars. You want to rent a movie?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Diana, since she left her job, she was taking care of the house and looking for, for opportunities there. She works in marketing and here in Colombia, that's an extremely saturated field. So it was very difficult for her. And I was making just enough. We didn't realize how expensive Bogota was in relation to Bucaramanga. So yeah, we rented this place that was way too big. So we had like three rooms and we could only fill one of the rooms. Uh-oh. Uh, so we were just in this big empty house for a year.
0: <laughs> it was- so that brings me to another question. What was that sure. like dealing with people describing stuff in kilometers and Celsius? I'm still getting used to that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was weird. That, that was hard for me. Kilograms, kilometers, meters, Celsius. It was tough for me to understand, and it still is kind of tough. I understand now what is hot, what is cold. If I say it's 25 degrees Celsius, I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty warm day. If I say it's 30 Celsius, holy crap, that's hot. I know it's hot and cold, but I don't know the exact difference. So if I want to tell my family back home, oh, it's nice and 22 degrees here, I have to be like, okay, what's the conversion rate and Google it. And I'm like, oh, that's 70 something. Um, so it's like 75 degrees. I suffer a lot with height because they're like, oh, you're like 178. I'm like, um, <laughs> what does that mean? Is that tall? Is that short? <laughs> I've got that now. The system makes a lot more sense. So I prefer it technically. But one thing that I can't get used to is shoe sizes. Mm. Colombian shoe sizes are different from European shoe sizes, which are different from American shoe sizes. That I have never gotten used to.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that still drives me nuts, but I like kilograms because I weigh less in kilograms than I do in pounds.
1: (laughs) True, true. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that is nice.
0: (laughs) Most people think of Latin America as pretty much a homogenous type of society, but even within Colombian society, there are lots of different ethnic groups. So, what are some of the different ethnic groups that you see
1: where you live? It's an interesting mix. There's a mix of like Spanish that came in that are very like light skinned. There's a mix of indigenous. There's a a mix of like African descendancy here. There are some expat communities. There's a lot of tourists, but yeah, I would say those are kind of like the different communities around. Mm. I love seeing like the African culture, uh, mixed in with the indigenous and the, the Spanish culture. You see this a lot in Latin music like with cumbia and merengue and all of these different types of music, they all have like a big mix of background. There are a lot of different cultures living in Bogotá, but in the the smaller cities here in Colombia, it's, it's not as diverse. There's generally the ethnic backgrounds that I had mentioned, but there's not a huge expat community. In my time here in Colombia, I've tended to avoid expat communities because I've always preferred to ingratiate myself in the culture and try to learn as much as I can being part of it. It was hard. <laughs> it was tough to get used to the culture. Everybody does things differently. There's a lot of um, body language and other cultural nuances that you miss and you don't really understand when you go to a new place.
0: And yeah, I was helping someone who had just moved to America from Ethiopia. And in English, we say, like, yeah, come here, come here. And mm-hmm. she was on the other side of the room going like this at me. I'm like, what, what is she doing? That means mm-hmm. come here in and, and Ethiopian body language. I was just looking at her for five minutes, like, is she having a stroke? What's happening?
1: (laughs) And and for come here in Colombia, they don't use their hands. They'll just nod. They'll go like this. (laughs) (laughs) Come here. Come here. (laughs) No hands whatsoever. There's another funny for me thing that was very different for me to see. It was making a kissing face. If you want to point at something here in Colombia, you point with your lips. So like, it's over there. (laughs) And the first time I saw that, I thought it was so funny. (laughs) It's a cultural difference. People do things like this, which means the situation is out of your hands. they say, and then they do this. So someone is being very cheap, you do this, you like, you hit your elbow. (laughs) There's a lot of little things that people like say and do that. I, I did not understand in the beginning. One thing, Gabby, in the states, I'm going to ask you a quick question. In the states, when somebody asks you a question and you don't know, what is the gesture and sound that we make? I would be like, "Hmm." And... Exactly. <laughs> I would be the same thing. Mm, we are mouthing very, very quickly. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and and shrugging the shoulders. In Colombia, uh, they go. Mm. <laughs> and, <laughs> It, it took me a long time to understand that. When people go, hmm, I'm like, "Are you a guinea pig?" I, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, oh, and also goodness. like lots of little things. If they are agreeing with you, they will say, "Hmm," and it, that, that doesn't mean they're thinking; they're agreeing with the statement you just said. So all of these things I had to learn, and it took me a long time to learn them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it happened when me and my husband were dating too. Because, like you said, mm, and mm-hmm, he's like, "What is what is that? What <laughs> What are you saying?" He didn't understand that. that was yes, I agree.
1: <laughs> I have to explain the same thing to my wife when I go. She's like, "What's wrong with you? Are you okay? Are you having a stroke?" <laughs> <laughs> but oh, then the
0: the way that Ethiopian and Eritrean people do when they're agreeing with you, they go almost like they don't have any air. They're just like, I'm like are you okay? Do you need are your you inhaler?
1: Shocking? Did I say something shocking? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like embracing the fact that you're not from there and you need to learn. Getting rid of that fear of, well, what if I say something wrong? What if I do something wrong? And so I'm never going to do anything. Just getting rid of that fear and asking questions and being okay with looking dumb. because you're, it's going to happen. If you're in a new culture, you might do something offensive or or strange. It'll probably make you look dumb and make you feel embarrassed, but you're learning and you need to accept that. You're going to look dumb and it's okay. People understand you're learning and most people won't get upset because they understand that it's just something different. Most people will try and help you to learn or to get better.
0: Yeah, that's true. But all Mm -hmm. of that testing and experimenting definitely paid off because now you work for PLATSY. So tell us about
1: it. (laughs) Yeah, sure. When I came to Bogota, I was an academic manager of a small center with with maybe 100 students or so, maybe 150. I was doing that for about a year. Then they gave me the opportunity to take on the main center, a bigger center, which had about 300 students. Shortly after that, I was promoted to national service support, like one step Below national academic director, because I was working directly with the national academic director to help him manage the country. From there, I went to corporate academic director, doing like B2B contracts and things like that. I ended up entering through that area actually. Um, I was a corporate service manager in Platzi. From there, inside Platzi, I transitioned to um, English training lead. I pretty much got a call hey, we want you to lead an English teaching program for the team. So I started doing that and it ended up being very, very successful just a couple of months ago. They said, okay, we want you to be like the director of everything English in Platzi. So I was like, okay, great. So I went from (laughs) one project to having like six. It's been really cool. So I've been um, starting to work on the Platzi School of English. I taught about four courses for that. And I'm also starting to design the, the new project at school and how things are going to progress. There's a lot of awesome things that are coming for Platz English School. I'm really, really excited and happy to be working there. So all of this happened within how much time? I've been teaching English for about eight years.
0: Okay, that's really cool. So you're about five and a half years ahead of me in terms of expat stuff. (laughs) Oh, okay. I've only been here in Germany officially for a year and a half.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Well, it it flies, it goes quickly.
0: (laughs) It sure has It's just been like, pfft. one of the things that I haven't had a chance to do yet because of the pandemic is to go home and visit. Mm. Have you done that before? Do you have any, like, oh, that feels weird now when you went back home.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went home after my first year and everything was pretty normal. I went home, I visited my family, everything was fine. Then I went back to Colombia and I stayed for four more years before I visited my family. I didn't um, actually visit my family until December, 2019. So just before the pandemic, I went back to Washington, went back to Seattle and, and that area. It was really nice because I was able to visit all of my family. I was able to do a lot of like nice touristy things. I brought my girlfriend, Diana, and I proposed to her in the snow which was her first time seeing snow, and it was really nice. So now I have a fiancé. I call her my wife because we've lived together for many years, but technically fiancé. It was weird going back. It's funny, when you spend so much time in a certain country and in a certain culture, you have something called reverse culture shock when you go back to your home. So everything that used to be familiar and used to be normal is no longer familiar, is no longer normal. The first thing that hit me is the ambient language changes. I get used to listening to Spanish in the background, always Spanish. When I hear English here, I'm like, oh, an English speaker. And I pay attention. When I went back home, having the ambient language, everything around me being English, started to feel weird. And there were a lot of little like cultural things that I wasn't used to. I went from being in a big city back to a small town. Slamming doors of cars became something weird for me. Things that would affect Colombian people started to affect me, nuanced things that I wasn't really expecting. I would do things like this and people wouldn't understand it. Cultural appropriation things that I developed no longer worked. And all my old habits have been pretty much washed away. Even my mother told me I have an accent. (laughs) Has that happened to you, Gabby?
0: Yeah, my little sister was making fun of me. She's like, you sound German now, what happened to you?
1: (laughs) Exactly. I have developed a teacher voice. So I speak very clearly, very precisely, but now I no longer have my Seattle accent. Very clear, very understandable, but it's no longer like a specific accent of a certain place.
0: (laughs) That's the truth. It is weird. Even, I don't know, I feel like a double expat because we're here in Germany, as I keep mentioning, and We're also embedded in my husband's culture, which is the East African culture. So I'm stuck between two things. Most of the time, I have no idea what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) They don't use their left hand for a lot of things. I've stopped using my left hand for a lot of stuff. It's like your dirty hand. You don't use that.
1: Okay. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Very interesting.
0: We would touch things on our touchscreen with our pointer finger, Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: in... I don't know why a lot of Africans, instead of using their pointer finger, they use their middle
1: finger. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. I started doing that too. There's these little things that you develop in these cultures. Then when you go back and see everybody doing it, it feels weird. If you see people using their left hand or using their pointer finger for tablets, it's going to feel strange to you. That's the weirdest thing about it. The reverse culture shock, because culture shock is to be expected. You're dropping into another culture, but then feeling weird about being in your original culture that kind of messes with you it's like what's wrong am i no longer american honestly i I don't think i am anymore i don't feel like i really belong to any one culture i feel like i'm more culturally colombian than i am american which i also hate the term american because there's the americas are very very big and i think canadians are american and mexicans are american and colombians are american but that's a whole nother thing (laughs) (laughs)
0: So you're saying you feel like a clever hybrid, is what you're saying.
1: <laughs> a clever hybrid, I think is the best way to put it. <laughs> I don't know about clever. I, w- I wouldn't say I'm that clever. I am probably a hybrid. <laughs> no, I would definitely
0: say you're clever. I've learned a lot from you, and even in the past, how long have we known each other? Like eight months or so. <laughs> so I've been learning a lot from you. I really appreciate you taking the time to not so much mentor me, but just kind of like, so what am I doing wrong? Just tell me. And then you're like, Gabby, calm down. <laughs> yeah.
1: so I'm, I'm more than happy to help. I'm more than happy to share whatever knowledge I have. It's a weird thing that I've been here for so long and I've been doing it. And it's been very like normalized for me. It's weird for me to think that my experience might be very unique. Getting to know you and a few other people, they're like, oh yeah, you're the expert. And I, I've never felt like an expert before. I remember reading a quote that said, if you spend 10,000 hours doing something, you're, you're probably an expert. I've probably done 10,000 teaching hours at least. I, I would never say I'm an expert, but people have been calling me that. And it's a weird feeling, but it's cool to be able to share some of my experiences.
0: It's weird realizing you're the elder statesman. You're like Benjamin Franklin, but with hair. <laughs> <laughs>
1: i wouldn't go that far but yeah it's, it's a weird <laughs> feeling to hear people take my advice like you were saying oh what do i do how can i handle this like being saying "Hey, yeah you can do that and then say "Ah, oh, yeah you you're you know it like, do i <laughs> maybe not so take everything i say with a pinch of salt gabby
0: <laughs> okay well it's good that you're still humble some people are like i am the greatest thing ever and you're just like oh, yeah i kind of know what i'm doing so that's good.
1: <laughs> i think i know what i'm doing i mean i could be terribly wrong
0: <laughs> well most of the time you do know i can vouch for that <laughs> <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> now everybody if you are latino even if you speak spanish or portuguese you need to check out Platsy. I have two courses with them. Jess, you have four you mentioned. And they also have a podcast that you can listen to. They have courses for English, but they also have courses that are related to how to build a business, how to learn programming. And all of these are in Spanish or with Spanish subtitles.
1: We're also going to be launching some more courses in English as well if you only speak English you can learn a lot it's a really cool platform and it's a startup and it's growing the idea is to really help Latin America grow and and that's one of the main reasons I'm part of it because it's just so amazing
0: yeah Latin America is just like right there it's about to explode I'm so excited
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah me too me too and I'll be happy if I can say I contributed a very small part to seeing Latin America become a really powerful economy
0: Amen to that. If people want to hear more of your tidbits or even some of your nerdiness, where can they find you online?
1: (laughs) Well, mostly nerdiness, (laughs) but you can find me on Twitter at um, JessHarris50. I think it's the same handle for Instagram. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I don't really use Facebook. You can look for me on LinkedIn. Feel free to contact me through any of those mediums
0: all right that sounds good and we're on a plexi kick y'all next week we're gonna be with caro boquin is also with plexi but she's just switched over to plexi brazil so that's gonna be
1: whoa (laughs) yeah caro is great we worked together very closely for a long time she's amazing she has a lot of experience and a lot to say so i'm looking forward to that broadcast
0: yeah, she's like a soft-spoken genius you don't know what she can do until it actually happens and you're like where did that come from Carol she's like no, <laughs> yeah. what did
1: i do <laughs> she is a, a low-key genius you don't realize it then boom crazy and if you
0: guys are loving this content make sure that you follow us on instagram at clever hybrids if you're needing help to make your own podcast like this one Or you want to upgrade your English or talk about cultural differences, just like we talked about today with Jess, check out our website, CleverHybrids.com. Until next week, optimize through principles, not rules.